Hello, and welcome to another episode of Norboard's Builder Insights Podcast. Builder Insights is your best source of information on new building techniques, materials, tools, and codes. Keep up to date with the latest developments as well as tips and tricks that will save you time and money on the job site. And now, Builder Insights. Phil Crone is the executive officer of the Dallas Builders Association. Phil has been with the association since 2006 and has served as its executive officer since 2013. Previously, he was the association's director of government affairs. He manages one of the largest local home builders associations in the nation with more than 1,000 members. He has an undergraduate degree from Purdue University and a law degree from SMU. The following podcast was recorded at the 2018 International Builder Show in Orlando. We have Phil Crone here today from the Dallas HBA, and we're going to talk to you a little bit about what's been going on since we last spoke. I guess the big thing that's happened since we last spoke was Hurricane Harvey. Harvey had a devastating impact along the Gulf Coast and specifically the Houston area. How did the Dallas area, how were they affected? Not really a direct impact from the storm, and you just think about all the different aspects of Harvey. Of course, you had the 52 inches of rain uh, in two days, which is a yearly total of rain for the Houston area in two days and all the flooding that came with that. And then you have Category 4 winds that hit a little further south in the Corpus Christi area. Up in Dallas, not really a, a direct impact from wind, rain, anything like that, but really a situation that makes our, our labor shortage even more challenging than it already is because right. you have a pool that was drained to begin with <laughs> and now you have a once-in-a-lifetime storm that is is really calling for a lot of hands on deck that we just don't have in our state. Have builders in the Dallas area found it easier or more difficult to get framers? It's more difficult. It is a situation obviously we talked about last year. Unfortunately it hasn't gotten any better. It really it's gonna be interesting because some of the rebuilding efforts are just now ramping up when you think about the time it takes for insurance claims and demolition and everything else. Mm-hmm. We're about to see the true impact of what the hurricane has done to our labor pool and framers in particular. We're already, our builders are reporting that the labor shortage, framers and otherwise, is adding $5,000 in one month to each wow. and every home that they build. And, and that's, that's, that's definitely a challenge. That makes it, in my opinion, the largest challenge that our industry is facing right. in Texas. In Dallas, we were talking a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. you're not losing any of the labor pool because there's so much work to be done there already. Yeah, and that's really the unfortunate like, for the Gulf Coast is that all the framers and really all the construction workers in our area are, they have all the work they can handle. Mm-hmm. And so the need down in the hurricane impacted areas is going to have to come from elsewhere, really. And it's not going to come from the Dallas area because you think about it and if you've got steady work and you're making really good money and you have your family up in you know, a certain area, it's just not really worth it to uproot yourself and spend a few months, four hours away. Do you have an estimate of the number of trained trades needed to get back to, to normal? The best numbers that, and these are all across all the trades, it's the numbers we've looked at is given the construction activity in the Dallas area that, that we have, we need 100,000 construction workers. We only have about 81,000, and that's across commercial and residential. So 19,000, 20,000 workers short in an area that you already have about 4% unemployment. So really, for all intents and purposes, Full employment. The workers that are on the sidelines are probably on the sidelines because they want to stay there, certainly not because of lack of amount of jobs. So we've got to fix something, and that's where immigration and some of the other 
conversations that we've been having with policymakers start working their way into the equation. During uh, your podcast last January, you mentioned the Dallas HBA was involved in arranging training of students in high schools. Mm -hmm. How has that gone? It's gone really well. Yeah. It's just really, to put it succinctly, is bring back shop class. Right. You know, bring back some of these programs that they're in my high school growing up in rural Indiana. They're they're in a lot of rural areas, but in in urban areas like Dallas, where many places the greatest opportunity exists, you don't see these programs to the extent that they're could be and, and needs to be given the, the demands that the construction industry has and the big role that it plays in the Dallas economy. So mm -hmm. we're able to take a uh, builder named Michael Turner, Classic Urban Homes. He is uh, one of the better custom builders in the Dallas area and himself is actually a graduate of a uh, vocational program many years ago. Put him back in the classroom and was just able to tell his story, get him around to all the high schools that'll have him in the area. We had some of those high school kids out on one of his job sites and they're just blown away by a million dollar home that's under construction and just all the things that they can do as a part of the industry. We had some of the subcontractors that came into that and really show the kids what their future could be right. and how it could be and then brought it all together with our trade show, our Dallas Builder Show that we had in October and we had about a hundred of those kids able to wander around, meet people in the industry, and just set up a mentorship type of program. Are you actually turning those bodies into workers? We are. We found that, especially the seniors who are looking ahead to what their future is going to be, a few of them have latched on to some of our electricians, some of our plumbers. They're getting that experience, and it's been great to see our members and their willingness to take a few of these uh, students under the wing. It's been, been really nice to see. Can you tell us more about the student training you're involved in? For instance, how many schools or classes are operating at the moment? The ones that we've been working with in terms of the high schools are five high schools, and I would say in the aggregate it probably comprises about five or 600 students. And there are a few more that we can touch, and there are a lot of other great programs in the Dallas area. So I know we're just at the tip of the iceberg with it. You know, in and of itself, is that going to, are we going to find our 20,000 workers there? No, but we're, it's a start. we're doing, yeah, we're doing our part and we're making a start. How many school districts are you involved in? So that would be, of, of the five high schools, about two, three school districts. And approximately yeah. how many students? Overall, in those programs, about, about 600, 500, but 600 students. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. You're exposing them all to all the trades. You're likely to get some that'll, that, you know, that'll take it up, right? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you'll have one high school where we go there and nobody even knows who the instructor is of the <laughs> program, and then we have a, another high school who has not only a prominent program, but then the principal and the assistant principal want to join us for the meeting because they're that excited about it. So from place to place, trying to you know make sure that these programs are relevant and some have invested in it and some we're, we're trying to help out. Does the HBA or the schools help the graduates find employment? We do, yeah. just through programs like what I described, trying to just get them out there and get them exposure to our members who can hire them. Some have their own apprentice-based type of programs. That's been kind of a challenge in some ways because a lot of these students are in underprivileged areas and just arranging transportation and just the things that, that maybe you and I take for granted, getting them to the job site and being able to do so consistently. Some of these kids are, are a breadwinner for their family right? and they want to work, they want to make some money, but they have some practical concerns and some schedules that sometimes aren't always compatible with the job that they want to do. Do you try to arrange for transportation and those kinds of things for them? We do. In a few yeah. cases, we have some members that just you know, they hired, our electrician, for example, hired three different students, and they just come and 
pick them up and they're on a sort of a compressed schedule that fits with what they need to do and made those accommodations and, and got some really good kids out of it. So they're like a shuttle service. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> How did the HBA go about getting the training into the school system? I wouldn't say that we were the catalyst for the, the training. Some of these programs already existed in and of themselves. So really what our role has been is to just try to increase the relevance of it and the investment that the schools are making. So our hope is is that maybe phase two of this project is that it does lead to additional programs and additional schools. But right now we started with some of the existing programs and have just been trying to build up awareness and trying to get those districts to increase the investment. And then hopefully that leads to some new programs popping up, especially in areas that need it the most. Are you getting representation from all the trades or most of the trades? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. So just in that field trip that we took, I mean, you had the you had the framer, you had the electrician, you had the plumber, you had the trim carpenter, everybody was there. Of course, all those comprise our Dallas Builders Association membership. So it's great to be able to have them because ultimately those are who we need to connect with these students. Does the HBA set up a specific curriculum for the training? We don't. That's probably that's probably phase three of the program. So okay. when it comes to some of these uh, shop classes, we are actually in the works of setting up a program with Collin College, which is a community college in our area. They ended up getting uh, last year a pretty sizable bond package that's going to allow them to build a uh, new facility that's exclusively set up for construction supervisors. And we're designing that curriculum, making it a holistic one that yeah, of course, they're going to learn about the business operation side of things, but they're actually going to be able to build on hopefully a uh, vocational program in high school, take that over to community college and know how to build a house from the ground up. And then we'll partner with an area habitat for humanity chapter Fantastic. and then be able to move that on site and they can do something great for their community and, and learn the skills to do so. Well, you guys should talk to the HBI because I know that they're looking for people to take on their curriculum. Yeah, absolutely, and that's someone that, that that's a plug-in we're going to make as the new school year comes up, uh, because that'll be probably a 2018-2019 introduction for that supervisor program. I have one last question for you. Uh, we understand you have some good news about your website. Can you tell us a little bit about the changes and what you're doing with that? Because you know we talked about that briefly earlier. Yeah, it's been kind of exciting as we talk about the labor shortage and we talk about everything else as an association. We realize that. We have more of a public voice than I thought we would, and I think you're realizing that yourself with the uh, Thank a Framer campaign, and we decided that our website needs to change from just a, hey, when's the next meeting coming and when's the next luncheon to truly a way, a dynamic resource that can connect with the consumer. So we're mm -hmm. shifting DallasBuilders.com, and as of next week, it'll be a uh, consumer tool that can hear about wow. some of the things that we're doing in the community, can connect builders based on the neighborhood they build in and the... Uh, city that they're at and what type of home that they build with consumers that are already looking in those areas and wanting to find out more about the industry. So we're really excited about that being a dynamic mouthpiece to wow. work with consumers in the Dallas area and beyond. So how did you come to that conclusion? Did you did you guys do some research or is it just some, a gut feeling that you guys had you had need to make this change? Or It was every single builders association in the country is dealing with growing membership. Membership is not growing at the rate that the overall industry is and that housing starts are and despite all the advocacy that we do and all the programs that we implement in the schools and otherwise we just weren't growing in a way that I thought would realize our full potential so it's interesting as we get a few members that come in they say hey I don't have the time to spend and be a volunteer at your association but if you had a way to connect us to the consumer even if we didn't show up to a single meeting we would still be able to justify the membership and 
I think also in a state like Texas that you don't have builder licensure, and that's a whole other debate <laughs> and, and discussion or even registration, yeah. that there needs to be a way to separate those that are invested in their industry from the chuck in a truck that's out there right. and really let the consumer know that our members are different, our members are professional, and here's what they can do for you. Here's the 75-year history that we've had in our Dallas area and just be able to tell our story directly to the people who need to hear it. That's fantastic. It's going to make your, uh, you know, getting membership probably easier as well, right? Because you have those connections to the consumer for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're going to answer online just a lot of the questions that already come in that I'm only marginally qualified, if at all, qualified to answer <laughs> when they come right. in. Phil, thank you very much for coming in again today. Thanks for giving us an update. Yeah, my Appreciate pleasure. It. And we'll probably see you again next year. Absolutely. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks. That concludes this installment of Norboard's Builder Insights Podcast. You'll find more of the same great content on our blog, including show notes and links to additional information. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing, liking, and subscribing on iTunes. Thanks for listening.